Well, good morning again, Chapel Hill. That's a good, that's a good hearty good morning after the nine o'clock service. I got to say, the numbers are increasing and so is our volume. It's really quite something. All right. Well, it's good to be with you this morning. Um, this is one of those services where as we sing along through the music and, and said the Apostles' Creed, I get to the point of the message and I'm going, what's the point? Because we just sang so much good truth. We prayed so much good truth. But I think it's going to pave the way for what we're going to talk about today in the scriptures. So I hope you're excited to dive into the word of God this morning. I know I am. Love God's word. Excited for what God has in store for us today. Anybody know what book we're in? Exodus. All right. Um, Those of you online, I can't hear you, but I'm sure you're going to type it into the chat. Uh, Yeah, we're in the book of Exodus today. We're still making our way through this fantastic book. And hasn't it been rich? It's just been a great study. And today we're going to find ourselves really at the climax point of the book. This is Exodus chapter 14, and it's the story of the—anybody know? Red Sea. Yeah, it's the Red Sea. So we're going to dive into this text today, and it's this pivotal climax moment. And what God is going to show in this passage is that he is going to demonstrate his power to fight the battles of the people of the Lord on their behalf. He's going to demonstrate who he is— And what he does as he fights for them. In fact, that's the title of today's message. The Lord will fight for you. Can you say that together with me? The Lord will fight for you. And that's what we're going to explore today. Our story begins, as many of the passages in Exodus begin, with a lot of complaining. (laughs) A lot of grumbling. In fact, that's going to be a constant theme from here on out through the book of Exodus. Just these whining and complaining Israelites. And they were whining for good reason. Because God, God was doing something quite strange with the Israelites. In fact, he commanded them to do two things. He commanded them to reroute and then camp out. It was completely, uh, really a difference in the GPS of where the Israelites wanted to go. If they had chosen the route, they would have chosen to go through Philistine territory, as Pastor Larry taught us last week. And God has them, instead of going into Philistine territory, going on land like normal human beings— He says, you know what, actually, I want you to backtrack a little bit and sit in front of the Red Sea and wait. And so God tells them to do this crazy thing, and they go, that's crazy. Moses thinks that's crazy. But God assured them that the reason he was doing this was because he had a master plan. A master plan to to demonstrate his glory, to show his power. And as cool as that plan may have been— the Israelites couldn't get it through their thick skulls, as per usual. And so they saw the Egyptians coming up behind them. They saw the Red Sea facing them in front of them. And they freaked out. And this is what they say, starting in verse 11. It says that the people said to Moses, Is it because there's no graves in Egypt that you've taken us out here to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us and bringing us out of Egypt? Isn't this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Woe is me. What are you doing to us, Moses? What are you doing to us, Lord? And they lay it all out there. And where we find the Israelites at the beginning of this story is freaked out, overwhelmed at the end of their resources. Here's my question for you as we get started today. I wonder if any of us are feeling that way today. Freaked out, overwhelmed at the end of our resources. As I've been visiting with different people over the last couple weeks and preparing this talk, um, 
there's just been this steady theme of uneasiness, this discomfort with where we are, that everything feels up in the air, that we're still in the midst of this pandemic, we're making our way through summer, and fall is staring us right in the face. And fall isn't looking like what we wanted fall to look like. We thought we might be able to get back to normal, but we have not resumed normality. So I think all of us may be in a common place. We actually may be in the same place as the Israelites. Freaked out, overwhelmed at the end of our resources, whether or not we're willing to admit it. I think many of us are in this place. And so we're having to come to terms with this, aren't we? Again, many of us are feeling the way that the Israelites are, and so we have to ask ourselves, we have to ask the text, well, then what do we do? What's the solution? How do we deal with those emotions? How do we deal with our mental faculties going off and freaking out about what's going on? What do we do when we are totally overwhelmed? The good news is for us this morning, church, that the Word of God, as it always does, has an answer to that question. And it's found in Moses' reply to the Israelites. So hear the word of the Lord this morning. Let it sink deep into your soul. Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he is working for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you're never going to see him again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. Isn't that good news? It's a powerful word. That last sentence is so crucial, so I want us to repeat it together. Can we say it? One, two, three. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. What does that mean? How do we live that? That's where we're going. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Father, thank you that you see us. Jesus, you don't just see us. You experienced the very things that we're experiencing right now as our high priest. And now, Jesus, as our prophet and king, we pray, would you come and ground us in the word of God? May we breathe deeply in the truth that the Lord will fight for us. We have only to be silent. Spirit of God, would you come and teach us the word of God that we may become more like the Son of God. It's in his name that we pray. And God's people said, amen. All right, so this is, this is where we're starting off. We're starting off with the Israelites complaining about their seemingly impossible situation. Moses replies, the Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. Here's what I want to do with our time together. I want us to unpack that sentence and apply it to our lives in two ways, okay? The first is I want us to apply it to the obstacles we face in this life, the challenges, the hardships that we face in this world. And then I want to apply it secondly to the salvation of your soul. Those two things, kind of a physical and spiritual reality of this text. So let's start with the obstacles we face in this life. What we find in this very short sentence— is an important principle when we face hardship, and that that principle is that the Lord is the one who fights for us. We don't fight for ourselves. Amen? The Lord fights for us. We don't fight for ourselves. This is important to remind ourselves because we, like the Israelites, really like to fight our own battles, don't we? We like to take care of things on our own, especially those of us who live in Gig Harbor. I mean, we're, we're people who are like, yeah, we're going to work this out. We're going to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and make this happen. The only problem with that is we face sometimes things that are too big for us. And then we go, well, what do I do? We have this issue, and we're not alone in this issue. In fact, let me show you something quite interesting in the text from last week that I want to just use to start us off here. Uh, This is what it says in chapter 13. We were in 14. Now we're in 13. 13 verse 18. This is very interesting. But God led the people around by the wilderness, the way of the wilderness. We just talked about that. Toward the Red Sea— 
And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt. And here's the curious part. How did they go up? Equipped for battle. What is that? Why is that there? If we were asking that question, we're actually in really good company because pretty much every Bible commentator on all the course of time, including John Calvin and all the greats, asked the question, why in the world is that there? What is the meaning? Why, why would they equip themselves for battle? They're just leaving Egypt. They're just getting out. They're just moving their people along. It doesn't make any sense. And so some commentators go so far as to say, you know what, maybe we shouldn't translate the Hebrew there that way. Maybe it means something different. And the only problem with that approach is no translation in English has ever really translated it differently. It's always to the effect of equipped for battle. I think there's actually something really important in this for us. And here it is. This little phrase shows us just how ridiculous the Israelites' thinking was. And in turn, shows us just how ridiculous our thinking can be. Because we're ridiculous enough to think that even when we face impossible battles on the horizon, that we can muster up our own strength to fight for ourselves. We put on all our battle armor only to approach a whole host of problems that are way beyond our ability, way beyond our capacity. And in the process of trying to handle all of life's trials on our own, we miss the whole point of being brought to the trial in the first place. And here it is. The reason you face trials in your life, the reason that you're often brought to face the impossible, is so that you come to the end of yourselves and all you can do is trust in the Lord to bring you out of it. Amen? That's the only way. God brings you to face the impossible with the express purpose that all you can do is trust in the Lord to get you out of it, to free you. I love how this idea was put by my favorite preacher of all time, lived in the 1800s, British guy, Charles Spurgeon. Anybody heard that name before, Charles Spurgeon? Many of you. This is what he wrote. Actually, he preached this. This is based on this same text. He says, Among the huge Atlantic waves of bereavement, poverty, temptation, and reproach, we learn the power of Jehovah, that is the Lord, because we feel the littleness of man. Self-esteem, this is a controversial statement, self-esteem is a speck in the eye which most effectually mars human vision. The great surgeon of souls removes this from us, chiefly how? By sanctified afflictions. Can we say that together? Sanctified afflictions. He's not the first to say that. A Puritan writer back in way before, Jeremiah Burroughs, said that in a book, uh, The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment. Fantastic book. Sanctified afflictions. May I posit that this moment in time This season in life is bringing us to the end of ourselves. Whether it's in your work or your family or your spiritual life, whatever it is, when you look at this present moment, I'd venture to guess that you're starting to come to terms with the fact that you're reaching the end of your resources, that you're in over your head, are you not? And if that's true, let me just tell you, you're in good company because the Israelites were in the same position. They had the Egyptians right on their tails. They had the Red Sea right in front of their faces. They didn't stand a chance. This puny nation, with all their people, all their kids, all their belongings, all their stuff, faced the absolute impossible. And all looks bleak, all looks grim, until God shows up. And the story takes a completely different shift. This is what we read in chapter 14, beginning in verse 21. Hear this story as if it's your own. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. 
And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And in the morning watch, the Lord, in the pillar of fire and of cloud, looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic, clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, this is crucial, let us flee from before Israel. Why? For the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Friends, can I just tell you that the Lord is fighting for you? Can I just tell you that you are beyond your resources, but God is not? Can I just tell you that whatever you face in front of you, whatever's coming up behind you, nothing stands a chance against the Lord God Almighty, because the Lord is a mighty warrior. God stands victorious over any obstacle that stands in your way. And you can stand firm in the confidence that God will act on your behalf. Amen? Whatever you're facing, take just a mental inventory of the stuff you're going through right now. Whether it's an illness or temptation or a conflict with somebody or or just fatigue, you're worn out. Whatever it is, your mantra needs to be the mantra of Moses, which is this. The Lord will fight for me. I have only to be silent. Let's declare that together. The Lord will fight for me. I have only to be silent. We stand tall right where we are. And with great faith, we preach to our soul, the Lord will fight for me. I have only to be silent. You can apply this in your life. You can use this like a a daily affirmation, if you will. You wake up in the morning, you think, oh my gosh, how can I do another day? How can I parent another day? How can I deal with this person another day? How can I deal with this pain another day? And you get up in the morning, you sit up and you tell your soul, you know what? It's not on me. It's not on my shoulders. The Lord will fight for me. I have only to be silent. Friends, your future is not in your hands. It's not. It's not on your shoulders. Just let that release for a minute. Your family's not on your shoulders. And you're working yourself to death trying to get everything in order, are you not? Stop. This is the word of the Lord. Stop. The Lord will fight for you. Depend on him in prayer. Trust in him. As you put your trust in the Lord, friends, trust in him to do what's best for you even when the times are tough. Because the Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. That's the good news. But there's more good news. And that leads us to our second focus. We don't just apply this to the obstacles in our lives by trusting the Lord to work for us on our behalf and rest confidently in his presence. That's the first part. But there's something deeper and something greater in this text. Because this text, Exodus 14, is a living, breathing picture of the salvation of your soul. If we were to use this... uh, this picture to describe our spiritual condition naturally, where we are at the beginning, I would explain it to you this way. I'd say that we are all deserving to be overcome by the Egypt of our sin and thrown into the Red Sea of hell. I've got a lot of good news for you today. Aren't you glad that you came to church? I just love going to church and being told that my, yeah, I'm going to hell. But this is true. And we don't talk about it enough. The Bible says in Ephesians 2 that we are all by nature children of wrath, dead in trespasses and sins in which we once walked. 
And that's what we deserve for our rebellious disobedience to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We deserve God's righteous anger. So when the Israelites cried out, they didn't, God didn't have to save them. The only reason he was committed to saving them was because he covenanted with himself to do that. He didn't owe them anything. He doesn't owe us anything. We deserve God's wrath. And if we want to be rescued from that wrath to come, this story reminds us of the hard truth that we cannot do that for ourselves. And even though we know that to be true, just like the obstacles in our life, we do the ridiculous thing of thinking that we can get ourselves out of this mess, that we can make this world better, that we can make our lives better, and we can get on God's good side. And so we come in equipped for battle, and we gear ourselves up in battle array, only to find that Egypt is impossible to escape, and that the Red Sea is impossible to cross. We foolishly attempt to equip ourselves with efforts to earn God's favor, only to find that sin has a massive upper hand, and that a future in hell is unavoidable, because we cannot save ourselves. That's the bad news. So where does that leave us? Where does that leave us? If we can't save ourselves, we face an impending doom. That's our future. What hope do we have? Well, this is when I get to tell you about Christ, the good news of the gospel. And just let your heart soar in this gospel this morning. This is your story. Friend, the only one who can rescue you from the Egypt of sin and carry you out of the Red Sea of hell is the true and better Moses He is the one who raised up his hands on the cross of Calvary to destroy the Egypt of sin. He is the one whose resurrection split the Red Sea of hell. He is the one whose perfect life parted the waves so that you can walk safely on dry ground into the promised land of heaven. There is only one who could save your soul from certain destruction, and that is the Savior of your soul, the Lord of your life, Jesus Christ. Amen? Jesus is our Savior. Jesus is our Lord. And that should change us utterly from the inside. Jesus alone can give you the freedom that you long for. Jesus alone is the hope of your salvation. We cannot save ourselves. All we do is receive the salvation of the Lord by faith. I'm passionate about this. This is what life's all about, folks. It's all about the gospel. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the Lord. And I I can remember the first time that I got that for the first time. I think that's why I'm passionate about it. It's not just up here, it's here. And I know many of you have experienced the same thing. I can remember when I gave my life to the Lord. Um, I was in high school at the time. I think we might actually have a picture of high school Gunner somewhere in our records. Let's see if that... There he is. Quite the look. Call that the Justin Bieber hair. And if you're wondering, I did flip it like this to the side. And I, um, until I got a battle wound from doing that, and then I cut it. But anyway, and then I got married, and I cut it more. Um, so that, that's high school gunner. High school was weird. High school was weird for all of us. Um, but it was especially weird for me because I was living what was kind of like a double life. Um, I was one person on the outside. I was another person on the inside. Some of us are still living that way. It's not a healthy way to live. It destroys you. Um, and it was destroying me. On the outside, I looked okay. I, I was, I'd been raised in a Christian home. I was pretty religious. But on top of being religious, I was also self-righteous. And I, was, I thought that I had my life all together. And so people probably had a perception that I was self-assured and like I had all my spiritual stuff together. But on the inside, I was in turmoil. I was weighed down by guilt. And the reason for that was because I was keeping a lot of secrets, a lot of sinful secrets, 
I'd been dating a girl at the time, and our relationship uh, was messed up. We were ridiculously jealous. It was really horrible. And even worse than that, people may have thought on the outside that we were these pure little Christian kids, that we had all our stuff together, but nothing could have been further from the truth because we were hiding a lot, and our relationship was becoming increasingly inappropriate. And it was wearing me out. I was worn out by my sin. And it was during that time while I was becoming more and more weighed down by my sin that I can remember having a conversation with my folks. We were just talking, and some information came out that made it so that I couldn't hide my stuff anymore. And I had to come clean to my folks. And I remember that moment. It, I, I almost felt like I was in turmoil in my heart, and I had kind of this emotional breakdown. And the only way that I can explain it is that it was an outward display of the spiritual battle that was going on within me. I think that the evil one really, the devil, had a hand in my life, and he was losing it because the Lord was fighting for me. And as I sensed that, I remember, it couldn't have been more than a couple days later, I got down in front of my bed on my knees, and I said, Lord, would you please forgive me? I believe Jesus died for my sins. I believe that he rose from the dead. Would you save me? And in that moment, friends, I was saved. And my life changed forever. I felt the, the burden of my sin just coming off my shoulders. That's why I'm here today. Why would I even care about church if the Lord had not grabbed hold of my heart? Why are you here? It's not by accident. The Lord fights for us. And all we have to do is be silent. I didn't work for my salvation. I didn't do anything good. But the Lord saved me. It was all by his grace. I love recalling this moment in my life, and maybe as I'm telling you my story, it sounds a little similar to yours. Um, I love recalling this story because it's a way to rehearse the salvation of the Lord. And that's exactly what God is calling you to do today. He is calling you to rehearse your salvation. In fact, that's what the Israelites do in the next chapter in in Exodus 15. They just can't hold it in any longer. And so they start singing to God. They start worshiping the Lord because they look back at this pivotal Exodus moment. They say, the Lord was fighting for me. The Lord was fighting for me. And so they celebrated the Yeshua Yahweh, the salvation of the Lord. And friends, that's exactly what we need to do day by day, moment by moment. Luther said something like this. He said, you know what? I become a Christian every single morning. I get up in the morning and I rededicate my life to Jesus. I've heard it said, yeah, I was born again then, but I'm born again every day. The Lord is transforming me and reminding me of his salvation. And so my challenge to you is to root your life in the gospel, to base yourself in the salvation of the Lord, and find ways to recall how God grabbed hold of your heart at the first. Because that's the power to fight sin. That's the power to live a new life. If you're wondering how do you witness for Christ better, it's recalling your salvation and wanting that for others. It all comes back to that. So my challenge for you, I'd find a little object. I've got this little cross that I keep with me in my backpack usually. And this is just, each time I see this, it's an opportunity for me to remember that the Lord saved me, that he changed my life, that he's still fighting for me. Uh, We're going to have some crosses back there on a table uh, that you can take a little one with you if you're here with us in person. I just challenge you to, to take this and keep it in a place that you'll see it again and again. And remind yourself of the salvation of the Lord. Um, If you're with us online, obviously we can't give you these crosses, but you can find uh, anything in your home. You know, it could just be any object at all that reminds you of how God has saved you, how Jesus has fought for you. And as you see that, 
Rehearse the salvation of the Lord and rededicate your life to Jesus. That's my challenge for all of us. Now, as we close, I'm sure that there are some here in this room and maybe even some online where you say, you know what, I've never done that before. I've never received Jesus before. I've never received the salvation of the Lord before. And I want to be forgiven of my sin. I want to be freed from hell. If that's you today, don't wait. Today is the day of salvation. Jesus wants to save you. Jesus wants to change you. Jesus wants to welcome you into his family. So if that's you, if you say, you know what, I've never received Jesus before, and I want to be forgiven of my sin, I want to be freed from hell, I want to be brought into a relationship with God, I'm going to lead you in a time of prayer right now to do that. If you feel the Lord stirring in you right now, and you say, that's me, it's time. It's time to give your life to Jesus. Friends, those of you who have already done that before, maybe you've been a Christian for your entire life, You can still say these words as a way to rehearse the salvation of the Lord. And as we do that, remind your heart, it's the Lord who fights for you. You have only to be silent. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for this moment. And Lord, I'm sure that there are folks with us today that are having that tug on their heart. Holy Spirit, would you help people to believe in Jesus right now. That's your work. Salvation is the Lord of the Lord from beginning to end. Holy Spirit, come. If you want to pray that prayer with me for the first time, would you join me in this prayer? Say, Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. I'm sorry for all the wrong that I've done and said. I'm sorry, Lord, for living for myself. Will you please forgive me? Because Jesus died for me. Would you please change me? Because Jesus rose for me. I believe in Jesus Christ, and I make him my Lord and my Savior. Would you fill me with your Spirit? and make me more like Jesus. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, can we just welcome those who prayed that prayer for the first time? Welcome them to the family. What I want you to do, whether you've prayed that kind of a prayer before or you've never prayed it before, I just want you to sit in this moment and rejoice in the Lord. That the Lord fights for you, you have only to be silent. We're going to—the the group up here is going to sing, Be Still My Soul. And I, you can sing along, but just stay seated. Just let these words wash over you. Whatever you're facing, whatever's on the horizon, the Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. Thank you.